Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all my baggage droppers around the world, welcome to another episode of the Drop Your Baggage Podcast, where we talk to people that are dope, that can give you hope, and teach you a technique that can help you cope. I am your host, Charles Wolfork, and we are here with our amazing guest, Jessica Jordan-Munn. But before we get into how incredible she is, please consider hitting the like and subscribe button if you are on YouTube and Facebook. And if you are on any uh, podcast platform, I would really appreciate it if you gave me a five-star review, or just be honest and give me whatever review you want, (laughs) but also give me some feedback and uh, let me know. Uh, what you think about the podcast. Now, we have Miss Jessica Jordan Munn right here, who is from New Brunswick, Canada. And she is outstanding because, well, first of all, she's educated. She got her psychology degree from St. Thomas University in 2014. She's been a customer success manager t- since 2016 and a senior customer success manager for a global e learning company. And her niche, if you can't see the background behind her, is makeup. Yes, that's right. She is a professional makeup artist and she got her license in makeup artistry and became a lash technician in 2019. But she's starting to change courses, just like a lot of people in 2020. After reevaluating, she's changed courses, courses and her passion and her approach is going to be towards coaching. She is wanting to help women with ADHD and healing from uh from trauma and, and women healing from trauma transform into the best version of themselves and eliminate what they picked up and became for other people and get back to themselves ladies and gentlemen i bring to you the fantastic jessica jordan mine what's up jessica not much happy to be here excited oh. to go through this process <laughs> me too it's gonna be so fun <laughs> hey, excited so- and slightly nervous <laughs> <laughs> why are you so nervous i just don't like you said no expectations i don't know what to expect so <laughs> i love it so you are so eloquent in everything that you were talking about we were uh talking about something that is very i'm very passionate about which is the healing of trauma and with you wanting to help women with adhd and also help women that are healing from trauma transform into their best versions of themselves tell us uh, behind the motivation uh from that please yeah so i mean i've spent um most of my life really like i still i still don't have an official adhd diagnosis that being said i have done um, a significant amount of research. I have also had two different therapists encourage me to go get the testing. It's just a pain in the butt. And I just haven't taken that step yet. Um, but what I understand about it and, you know, the way that my mind works and the way that um, I interact and, and all of the different things that I have heard, you know, I've looked at a lot of different people that have gone through the process. They've gotten their diagnosis maybe as an adult and um, just kind of looked through all of that, that different Um, the different ways in which it affects you and Mm -hmm. how you interact with others, how you handle situations, um, even just little like silly things Mm -hmm. that you do that other people don't really properly understand that may cause challenges. Um, Looking back, even just at my childhood, I was that kid that used to, you know, get those marks on the report cards where they'd be like, she's a great student. She's very, you know, she, she does well, she gets good grades, but she's very distracting. And so I was, I was that kid that, you know, it's not that I would be disruptive in the sense that I would, I would be interacting with other children. If there was somebody walking in the hallway, I would be that kid that would literally get up <laughs> and go to the window and be like, what's going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was, I was uh, such a pain in the butt, but it was like, <laughs> I was just like, I, I can't focus. And I, mm. I found that in a work environment, it was very similar. You know, when I started working, um, in the job that I have now, I was in these little cubicles where there was people walking all around me. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, how do I get any work done mm. when there's people and I of course, I was situated right in front of the coffee station. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, there was people walking in and the door was over here for people coming in from, you know, coming up from downstairs, the lunchroom or just coming into work. Mm-hmm. And so there were constant distractions, disruptions, and I had to learn how to cope with that and how mm. to be functional (laughs) with all of those different distractions because I can't stay focused Mm -hmm. when there's something going on over here my mind just instantly wants me to look so all of these things um you know I've I've made it a mission to to number one understand myself yeah which I've done through 
um, my focus on psychology and my degree, you know, technically my degree, if I look up at it, it does say um, honors in criminology. Um, this is because what I had originally intended to do um, when I was going through school, I mm -hmm. thought that I was going to be a lawyer originally. Um, and then it shifted. I became obsessed with criminal minds. I wanted to um, understand human behavior um, at a really deep level. And mm -hmm. so I realized that that profession combines psychology with criminology, with law. Mm -hmm. And so that became the direction that I took for my path. So, you know, when I went into university, it was 100% crim and psych. That was all I focused on. And mm -hmm. so I did um, a double major. And then uh, when I was in my third year, I had never even, like, I never even thought, and this comes into play with, you know, my self-esteem issues that I had mm -hmm. uh, where I just didn't think that I was smart enough to do mm -hmm. honors. I never thought of myself as this, you know, really great scholar yeah. <laughs> or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I had this one professor, Don Clark, and she just believed in me. And she spoke to me in a way that encouraged me. And she, you know, she was kind of, she was a no bullshit kind of person. Mm -hmm. um, and so she, you know, she was just like, just apply, just do it. Like she encouraged me to just go for it. Mm -hmm. and try and I did and I actually got into the program mm -hmm. and so that's why my degree technically says criminology um, but I did have that that major also in uh, in psychology and my mm -hmm. uh, thesis was actually on profiling techniques so I pulled both of those aspects into my thesis as well in terms of understanding um, profiling techniques and mm -hmm. understanding personality um, I've also been um, understanding micro expressions. Again, it's all about understanding, um, you know, the mind and understanding human behavior and, and yeah. things of that nature. So I've been obsessed with all of that. And more recently, over the past year, year or two, I've also had a really deep passion for, um, you know, spirituality and, and healing and understanding your own traumas. I've gone through the inner child work, I've done a lot of shadow work and really understanding what drives me from my past. So that I can move forward, you know, and, and like I said earlier, just, you know, understand that you are not your trauma. You know, things have happened to you throughout your life that were reinforced um, based off of, you know, early childhood patterns that mm -hmm. were established. Mm -hmm. And so it's understanding everything that you have become for those around you or to have your needs met and separating that from who you really are so that you can get back to yourself. Um, so I've been focused on all of that. And I think a lot of it has um, really come to a place where I started to realize what helps me, what brings me back home, what centers me. And I want to help other people be able to do the same, because I think right now the world needs that desperately. Mm -hmm. Like when I look around, it's like you see the term narcissism thrown around left and right. Mm -hmm. um, so many people are growing up in such a way where they aren't um, emotionally supported. And so mm -hmm. that is where a lot of that is coming from. A lot of people, um, you know, mental health is on a decline and addictions are on the rise. Mm -hmm. And those two things are linked. Um, so there's just, there's so much going on. And I think we need to start addressing our emotional needs mm -hmm. versus using vices or coping skills and shoving them down because I've been there. I've done that. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't work. It's just you push it down and you push it down and you push it down and then it just blows up in your face. And, mm -hmm. you know, eventually it just you keep entering these same patterns and re-traumatizing yourself until you just decide that enough is enough. You've got to make a change. Yeah. Yeah. And you're ready for those women that are ready for, to make that change because you've been doing the work on yourself. Uh, exactly. Keep, uh, and that oh, sorry. I was just going to say that's that's exactly it. You know, it, it, you've got to want it. You can't force somebody else to change. No, um, I've realized that I've tried, you know, as I've been going through this process, it's like I want I, I want to share everything and I want to put it out there. But what I've realized is that when you start sharing this stuff, it mm -hmm. also pushes a lot of people back. Mm -hmm. And I've been there, too. I've, I've been that person, you know, five years ago. If I saw people that were sharing all of this stuff, I was like, oh, my gosh, get away from me <laughs> because you're just not ready. You're mm -hmm. you're like you're convinced and toxic positivity is so on the rise right mm -hmm. now, too, where people are just so focused on sharing positive things and just being happy and focusing on motivational quotes, inspirational quotes and all of mm -hmm. those things. And it's like, you know, that's only a, a little piece of it. You've right. got to do the work. You've got yeah. to face, you've got to face things. 
Got to. And one of the ways that you uh, started to face those things was with therapy. Uh, talk about I have a lot of guests on the show and some of them are adamant about how awesome therapy was. And some people are like, man, therapy really didn't work for me. I didn't find it as effective as I really wanted it to in releasing the negative emotions that I've had to really like sort things out and to process things the way that I want to. Um, I know personally for me, I wasn't in a place emotionally and I wasn't uh, mature enough to actually talk to the ther the therapist that I saw um, effectively so I could release emotions. You know what I mean? And that's where I was in my life. I think that now it would be a, a bit different just because I would be willing to share and be more vulnerable. Um, if you're not able to actually talk about your baggage, your shit, then uh, you're not going to be able to get at the core and the root cause of things. And therefore, you're not going to be able to really make any differences in your life. But you said that therapy was quite beneficial to you. So I would love to hear about your point of view and, and what you went through your, with your journey. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of elaborate on what you said, I, I think that, first of all, um, nothing is going to work for everyone, right? You know, talk therapy sometimes doesn't work for people. That's a reality. Mm -hmm. You know, some people might need um, a different kind of therapy. Mm -hmm. um, so there's lots of, there's, there's different approaches. And, and um, you know, I, you were saying, you know, you're, you weren't ready for that. And that's a big piece of it too. You do have to be ready to face it. Mm -hmm. You've got to be vulnerable. You've got to open yourself up um, and, you know, be willing to feel <laughs> um, because, I, I can definitely relate to that because when I was in high school and I had my first sexual assault, I had, I was, I was, you know, I had to go to therapy. My parents put me in therapy mm -hmm. and because of the, the guilt and the shame that I felt because I had gone to a party I wasn't supposed to go to, mm -hmm. I lied to my parents and I went to this party and this thing happened. And so in my head, I was like, this is my fault. I didn't listen to my parents. Mm. So this is my fault. So my guilt and my shame over what had happened had like, I was just like overwhelmed with all of that. And I couldn't open up because I was terrified that they were going to be like, yeah, this is your fault. <laughs> like you screwed up. And I know that that's ridiculous that, you know, it's not, they would never do that as a therapist, as a professional. Um, but in my head as a kid, you know, that's what was going through my head unconsciously. Mm. I can think I can look back now and realize like, yeah, I was just like pushing that off because I wasn't ready to face it. I wasn't ready to talk about it. And I think a lot of people do that, you know, they, they get pushed into it. Mm -hmm. Like maybe, you know, their family pushes them into it or their partner pushes them into it. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, they're doing it for somebody else. They're not doing it for themselves. If you're doing it for somebody else, you're not going to see the benefit. Yeah. You need to be doing this for yourself and you need to be ready to face what is going to come up. Because in my journey, and because I have that degree in psychology and I studied mm -hmm. psychology, I was kind of, you know, starting out. I started this uh, last June. I stumbled on this book and I was like, I got this. <laughs> I can do this myself. I don't need anybody. So I started going through this book that had a bunch of journal prompts and it was inner child work. And it was, you know, taking you through all of the different things um, from your childhood, just making you think about things. A mm -hmm. lot of it was things that I already knew mm -hmm. or had thought about before. But when you're doing it in a logical sequence and you're going through, you know, consistently on a weekly basis, you know, I would take little breaks because that's one thing that you need to know when it, when it comes to this stuff is you are going to get overwhelmed and you're going to need a break. And that's okay. Like you can take some time where, you know, if you're feeling like you're overwhelmed and you've made a couple of realizations, you're like, I need some time to digest this, mm -hmm. take a week off. You mm -hmm. know, it's not something that you have to. Um, you know, consistently be 100% focused on mm -hmm. as long as you're, you know, you're focused and continue to grow. Mm -hmm. And so that was what I what I started out with. And I did end up starting therapy in November 2020. I just felt like I was making all of these realizations, you know, I started to notice patterns, because again, I was really putting in the work in a consistent way versus, you know, thinking about something a month later, thinking about something else, a month later, thinking about something else, you know, mm -hmm. you were actually consistently putting that those pieces together, yeah. which made it easier for you to spot those patterns. And so I kind of had gotten to a place where I was like, okay, you know, I've, I've noticed a lot of patterns. I think I'm ready to actually talk about this and get some input on how I can shift out of those patterns. Mm. Because there's a 
distinction between what you know and what you apply or what you execute. And I was lacking the execution because I still didn't trust myself. Like I still needed that external validation that what I had learned was in fact correct. And one thing I will say too, is when it comes to therapy, not all therapists are the same. Not all therapists are uniquely trained to assist with your particular needs. Yeah. So some people, I think, get into therapy, they, you know, they, they meet with a therapist a couple of times, and they just don't feel like they're getting anything out of it. Right. I had that experience. Um, through my work, we actually get uh, some coverage for, for mental health. And so I used that we had, um, I had four hour long sessions with this therapist for the first um, couple of months. Mm-hmm. And then um, in 2020, uh, 2021, the first like month, I think in January, beginning of February timeframe, I had four more hours and I really didn't feel like I was getting much, you know, I felt like I was just, it was the equivalent of me talking to a friend yeah. and I wasn't really getting any, like she was validating what I was saying and the inputs that I was sharing, but she wasn't really facilitating my growth or giving me anything meaningful to really think about Mm -hmm. to drive me forward. And so I started to look externally. I ended up going to BetterHelp, um, which is a um, online service. Mm -hmm. And what I love about BetterHelp, and, you know, I'm not affiliated with BetterHelp at all. This is just me um, speaking. But when it comes to, to BetterHelp, there's like a detailed survey that you fill in with all of your unique traits, your issues, the things that you're working to resolve. It even factors in your spiritual beliefs, um, your gender identity, you know, different things like that. And then it pairs you with a therapist that's uniquely qualified to help you. Mm. (laughs) So I got partnered with um, a new person and Mm -hmm. I learned more or got more value out of one half an hour session with this therapist than I did in eight hours with the other So when it comes to therapy, you've got to be willing to, you know, try Like if you're not getting something out of one, don't give up, try another one. You know, it's not, you're going to have to try different things, you know, to find what's going to work for you. And the one that I have now, she gave me an exercise that, you know, it's common. I, when, where I work, we do leader camps where we pull in experts Mm -hmm. um, from different fields. Mm -hmm. And um, we did a session on overcoming burnout um, and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And this was an exercise that they shared. And so this is a common exercise, but my therapist called it the power of noticing. And she had me anytime that I felt like a knee jerk emotional reaction. She was Mm -hmm. like, I want you to sit and I want you to think about where that's coming from. Like, why are you having this reaction? Why are you really having this reaction? Mm. Try to like pull on that little thread, trace it back to past situations where you felt that way. Yeah. And then, um, you know, try to go back as far as you can. And most often Mm -hmm. I was able to trace that all the way back to my childhood. Of course. And so when people like people scoff all the time, (laughs) when you talk about like focusing on your, your childhood, they're like, I don't need to do that. Like, yeah, you do. <laughs> because that's where a lot of our stuff is coming from. And people just are not aware. And so therapy to me is about bringing the unconscious conscious so yeah. that you're able to let go and move forward. Wow. Wow. So you're, you had a really good therapist because when you went through that exercise, well, you were able to find the root cause of things that were linked to the child, your childhood and then what you get to the root cause and then being able to process it um, from that place, then it shows that link to where you are right now in your life. Exactly. And I think a big thing about this too is knowing that therapy, if you're just going into, you know, a half hour session, an hour session once a week, um, it's probably not going to be effective Mm. if that's all you're doing. Mm. Like it's, it's, good in a sense like you you're able to work through some things but at the same time you have to do the work yourself Mm -hmm. and so for me that meant you know actually doing the exercise that she Mm -hmm. had recommended and so journaling I would sit at any time I had a knee-jerk reaction I would sit and I would journal and I'd be like oh okay you know that's where that's coming from and then as I started going through that process I started being able to more easily communicate to the people around me when I had those triggers mm-hmm. so that they understood where yeah. I was coming from rather than just 
reacting and just like, you know, attacking them because a lot of the time people, they don't mean to the way that they're saying something, they don't mean for it to be offensive, Mm -hmm. but we react in that way because we are associating that feeling with something from our past. So it's our, actually our perception of what's happening rather than reality. Mm -hmm. So it, it really kind of helped me get to a place where I could look at things more objectively uh, just, you know, kind of understand and, and separate my emotion from what's actually happening so that I can communicate how I was feeling mm-hmm. in a better way. So y- you've got to do the work. You've got to sit and actually be willing to think about these things. And for me, you know, everybody's going to approach this differently. But for me, that means um, journaling, because yeah. I, for me, I find journaling is a release. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it helps me organize my thoughts. I've always liked writing. So it helps me put my thoughts together and get it out there on paper and kind of work through mm-hmm. those things. Um, but for other people, it might be, you know, something entirely different. Um, I Maybe, you know, podcasting, <laughs> for example. <laughs> Some people, I've heard that. Some people, they do podcasts. They started their podcast because they needed to get the messages out there that they themselves needed to hear. Mm. And it's, you know, people approach things in their own way. So for me, um, fitness has been a huge part of my journey. I really love Kinergy. Again, not affiliated to Kinergy. Um, I love booty yoga. I'm not affiliated <laughs> yeah. to that either. Yeah. But um, <laughs> those, those practices, what I love about them is it brings in the spiritual yeah. and it brings in energy and it just makes you feel good and just grounds you and makes you feel reconnected to yourself. For some people, it might mean meditation. Um, and mindfulness. And I, I do that too. So it's like, there's all kinds of different things that you can do. You've got to find what works for you and you've got mm-hmm. to do it consistently. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's why, you know, therapy isn't going to work for everybody because number one, you have to be vulnerable. Number two, you have to be willing to do the work outside of therapy so that therapy can be effective. Yeah. And then, you know, number three, you've got to find what works for you because one size does not fit all when it comes to therapy outstanding well it's just like well with mental health it's just like with any type of health such as physical um you can do the work in the gym but if you're not eating right then it's all going to turn to trash in the long run as well if you're not sleeping then you're not going to have that time for your body to rejuvenate at night as well so it's all these different things that come together in order for you to have the type of health that you really desire man i never thought about it in that way because people always look for someone else to say, hey, here's your problem and here's how to fix it or not here's how to fix it. But, you know, I'm going to fix it within this hour. Maybe that's what they expect. That's what I expected from uh, from therapy when I went to go see a psychologist. But I was <laughs> like, nah, that, that one hour, that 30 minutes is a time for you to process things. But the homework that you need to do is the things that really take things so uh, take your healing um, to a different level. I love it. A lot of people, one- a lot of people do that. One more thing, your one of your main messages is you are not your trauma. Can you go ahead and, and talk about just that just a bit? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of things that happen to us kind of um, create these patterns for us mm-hmm. in our, our minds that, that just continue on throughout the rest of our life. Like mm-hmm. for me, um, one of the things that, that has kind of come up for me repeatedly is this um, abandonment wound, mm. which I didn't, I wasn't consciously aware of mm-hmm. for most of my life, really, until this past year, because um, my father was only gone from my life for a very brief stint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he left when, when I was one, uh, when my parents separated, and then uh, went through, you know, the, the process of getting the shared custody and everything like that. Mm. And so for me, it wasn't even that he wasn't a part of my life. It's just he was no longer living with us. Mm. And I found out that, you know, when, when that happened, I would, I was so used to the time of day that he would come home, I would stand in front of the door at that time. And I would just like, wait. Mm. (laughs) And when he didn't come back, I would just cry and Mm. wail. And I was so upset. I didn't understand, you know, where's dad? And then um, it got to a point where I literally, we don't have any home videos of my, me when I was a baby anymore, because I watched them so many times when I missed my dad mm. that I ruined them because they were VHS. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that has carried throughout my entire life, even though my dad and I have had a relationship mm-hmm. that entire time, but mm-hmm. that wound 
that separation in that formative. And that's the thing is trauma. The way that people think about trauma is this big event. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. Most people these days have trauma. They just aren't aware of it because Mm -hmm. we experience these, these things in our childhood that we don't necessarily remember. I have very little memory, like recollection, recollection of my childhood, Mm -hmm. um, which annoys my parents, honestly, because they're like, Mm -hmm. we did all of this stuff and you don't remember any of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's just one of those things where it's like, I start to notice the the pattern. Mm -hmm. And one of the things with abandonment issues is that you have this fear because you, you have that abandonment wound, you have this fear of rejection. Um, so you kind of replay that throughout your life. You'll Mm -hmm. end up, um, having, you know, emotionally unavailable partners mm-hmm. that end up abandoning you or ghosting you or, you know, doing something like that. Mm-hmm. And that has been a pattern that has repeated throughout most of my life. And there's other elements thrown in there. But I've just come to a place where I've started to recognize how my experiences in my childhood and my upbringing um, and the trauma of my parents, you know, that's another thing is generational trauma is very much a thing. Yeah, never um, lie. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's so sad when you think about it, but it's like our grandparents were traumatized during childhood and their style of parenting um, for, you know, when they had kids ended up mimicking, you know, that trauma. Mm-hmm. And then they replicated that trauma with their children. And then it gets passed on and it gets passed on until somebody decides no more mm-hmm. and breaking that cycle. And so for me, you know, being 28, you know, you definitely, as a woman, you start to you sense that little biological clock ticking. It's like, I gotta get, you know, I gotta get a move on soon if I want this to happen. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, for me, I think that the reason that I have not wanted to take that step for so long is because I want to break that pattern first. Right. I don't want to have anybody else, you know, repeat those cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm happy either way. Um, but I need to reach a place where, you know, I'm, I'm fully aware of who I am as a person yeah. and I'm not, falling into those toxic patterns Mm -hmm. that are behavior driven from my childhood wounds. So, you know, that's kind of what I mean by that statement is under understanding what you have adopted, the behaviors you've adopted um, to be what everybody else needs, you know, people pleasing tendencies. Like I said earlier, you know, if if you're codependent and you're a people pleaser, Mm -hmm. you're really doing those things because you think that you'll get the reciprocation that you need. Yeah. And, it's about understanding how to break that pattern, help people because you want to help people mm-hmm. and help people, you know, generally with uh, genuinely without needing anything in return mm-hmm. and, you know, just reaching a state of inner peace and, and all of that. And I think sometimes you, you said, you know, looking for external sources, looking for somebody that'll solve all your problems. Yeah. A lot of people, and I've been there, I've done that too. Um, we look for, like a, a partner to make us happy. Yep. We look for somebody else because we are unhappy. And we think if we can just find that one perfect person that they'll just make us happy. And so we latch on with everything we have to people mm-hmm. that we think are going to be that for us. And it doesn't work mm-hmm. because you can't put that responsibility on somebody else. You have to find happiness within yourself and then build a life with somebody else it doesn't work if you're expecting them to make you happy you're only going to get resentful and i think the same holds true i saw um there's this person that i follow on uh, social media jeff brown um he's a spiritual guy and he's written a a bunch of different books i haven't read any of them yet but i've seen a (laughs) bunch of the excerpts that he shared Mm -hmm. and he talked about the spiritual component And I think it's very similar to what I I spoke of earlier in relation to toxic positivity and Mm. focusing on the positive. Um, But he talks about it in a way that he says that a lot of people use spirituality as a way to to kind of accomplish the same feat. So instead Mm. of looking for some person to fix all of their problems, they look for a deity to Uh, fix all of their problems. And so it's like, when they use um, prayer in, in the spiritual community, a lot of the time they talk about praying to like specific angels and, mm-hmm. and things of like that or source. 
um, not necessarily uh, God, but they, they talk about, you know, source energy or creation, energy, yeah. um, those kinds of things. They look to those kinds of sources to heal them mm-hmm. versus, you know, doing the work. And in my opinion, that doesn't work either <laughs> because you're, you're still not doing all of the work and everything that I have seen in relation to um, angels and, in, and synchronicities when it comes to spirituality, you know, I've been seeing synchronicities all, all over the place, yeah. you know, numbers, like repeating numbers, like mm-hmm. 111, 1111, mm-hmm. 222, 333, all, all of those kinds of things. And yeah. when that happens, I Google them because <laughs> I want to see what the message is. And a lot of the time it's, <laughs> it's really positive. And yeah. if, if you think about it in the context, I'll journal about this stuff too. But if I, if I'm thinking about something specific, a lot of the time, the message that I read, I'm able to apply it mm-hmm. to what I was thinking about. And ultimately, when you think about a lot of that stuff, it's like, it's guiding you. It's giving you advice, but yeah. you still have to follow through yeah. and do the work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's only one aspect of it. So it does work, but it doesn't fix everything. You still have to go deep and do the work. So yeah, that was a roundabout way to answer the question. But <laughs> no, you made so it's, it's two very, very good points that you made. Number one is um, that you can manifestation and, and spirituality uh, go hand in hand, in my my opinion, um, with how the universe um, unfolds using the law of attraction and the quantum uh, the quantum field, quantum physics. So you can it's. I, I broke it. I'm very simple, you know, very, very simple person. So it's um, emotion or belief or thought, right? No, no, so you got thought or belief plus emotion or feeling plus inspired action equals manifestation. Mm-hmm. You can have the thought and the belief. You can have the feeling and the emotion. But if you don't have the inspired action, there's no manifestation that's going to happen. So exactly. uh, the, the prayer, I mean, prayer is there. It, it definitely can uh, work. Like, <laughs> like you can have the dream, <laughs> like you can have the dream board, you can have the, or the vision board, you can have everything, all these different things. Uh, but it, it doesn't mean anything. And also it doesn't matter what inspires you. It could be um, a vision board. It can be quotes. It can be motivational speakers. It can be the numbers and what people have uh, that what they say in the angel reading uh, angel numbers on Google. By the way, I've done that before. I, <laughs> <laughs> I only laughed at it because I saw myself in in like that uh, in that way. Um, it can be all those things, but if you don't take action on them or keep going down the path in which you're going and which it says that you're doing, then uh, it don't mean it doesn't mean a damn damn thing. It doesn't mean a damn thing at all. So exactly, that is. I mean, wow, you've done so much work, and I, I appreciate you doing that work because um, that means that you'll be able to help a lot more women. Um, because of the work you're doing and the work that you've done and you see that you see how far you've come but you see also see the uh, the path that you need to go in order to heal as well which is fascinating and i am so blessed to be able to help you expedite that process right here on the drop your baggage podcast uh so uh for all you guys um on the drop your back that are listening to the drop your baggage podcast right now i say we talk to people that are dope that can give you hope like this uh, amazing young lady right here, but also teach you a technique to help you cope. That technique is the mental and emotional release process. It is a neuro-linguistic programming technique. Uh, it helps you release negative emotions, limiting beliefs and insecurities in minutes, which we're about to see right now. If you want to do the process, please, please, please uh, hit up a um, certified uh, practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. Or if you want to find out more, please go to eliminatinginsecuritiesnow.com. And I have a free case study video for you on that. Um, and also, this podcast is brought to you by Brienne and Company. It's a jewelry boutique that makes durable, minimalist jewelry that uses genuine pearls, local shells, and sea glass, natural gemstones, precious metals, and quality handcrafted designs. Uh, please go to brianneandco.com or look her up on Instagram at Brianne and Company. Thank you so much, Brianne and Company. 
And with that, <laughs> uh, you are going to be releasing some fear today. Now you changed it from sadness to fear. Can you give us a little, um, a little explanation of why you chose fear? Yeah, because I think ultimately fear is kind of the root of my sadness. <laughs> um, so originally it was just like, I don't want to feel sad anymore because, you know, one of the things, you know, we talked about my abandonment wound, um, from my early childhood. And if you're into personality psychology, if you've done, you know, the type finder assess, I'm obsessed. I've done the type finder, you know, the Enneagram, like I've done this, like all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm just obsessed with understanding my psychology. And it's interesting because a lot of people that have that obsession, they're interested in understanding, um, that aspect, or even getting into like astrology and things like that, a lot of mm -hmm. those people tend to grow up feeling misunderstood. Like they, you know, they don't feel like maybe they don't even understand themselves. So they seek out understanding themselves, but also um, it kind of becomes like, I, I really love this aspect that I saw. It, it kind of becomes a love language in a mm. way, because you start to try to really understand other people around you, especially those you care about, because you want, you, you wish that somebody would do that for you. Yeah. Um, and so for me, what I've learned is um, I, I got the INFP score, um, which is highly, you know, considered highly sensitive um, type of, of person. And then on the other side of it, um, on the Enneagram, I got type four and I was 99% in alignment with type four. And what I found interesting right. in type four. Time out. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Some people okay. in here don't know what an INFP is. Okay. Um, so when it comes to, and I've got my little binder right here, so yeah. I'll hold this, I don't, it's going to be backwards, but, um, introversion, intuition, feeling and perceiving. So, mm. um, this is defined as an imaginative idealist guided by your own core values and beliefs. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different aspects to it. And like, they measure like introversion versus extroversion, um, they measure sensing versus intuition and thinking versus feeling all of those different things. But ultimately what it means is I'm a feeler <laughs> very much in touch with my emotions um, or, or not necessarily maybe in touch with them, but very um, emotional, sensitive kind of person. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the Enneagram, which, you know, kind of even to confuse it further, they just go by numbers. <laughs> so, um, but they, the type four, I was 99% in alignment with type four on the Enneagram, um, which I found interesting when I was doing the digging and, and really digging deep into my full report. There's like a 20 page report that came with it. Yeah. And um, yeah, when I, when I realized where it, it specifically calls out that a lot of people that get this particular score have some sense of abandonment wound in their childhood. Mm. And so um, my sibling actually got the exact same result, <laughs> which I, I, I specifically asked to take that exam or to take that, that personality test because I wanted to see. I, I suspected that that was going to be the same. Not only did we get the same type, we actually got the same wing, um, which is basically just like a secondary type um, alignment. Um, so I'm still like new I, to digging into some of this stuff. I've, I've studied my own, um, but I haven't necessarily dug into some of the other types. But for me, as I was going through all of this, um, it, it, the, the type four is very much a heart type. So again, coming back to the heart and it's understanding that we have this deep sense of um, being misunderstood and we long for um, that connection with others. Yeah. Um, so it's rooted in sadness because we feel disconnected from other people. But then on the other aspect, you know, all of this fear that I've talked about, you know, the fear of failure, feel of fear of rejection, which fear of rejection actually comes from an abandonment wound. Mm -hmm, <laughs> because mm -hmm. when you're, when you have that sense of abandonment, you're, you're scared, you know, you don't know how to deal with conflict, because you're scared that if you actually express yourself and your fears, um, or your needs, that they will be like, all right, bye, yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, leave. Mm -hmm. And so you're, it, it's all kind of interconnected. And so the, the fear of all of those things is actually, what I'm, in my opinion, the result of my sadness. So I think if I can get rid of that fear, I might be able to simultaneously eliminate that core sense of just sadness because I'll be able to express myself more clearly without that fear of rejection. 100%. So it's more of the fear of rejection and 
Um, we'll get the root cause of it in a second. So the root, so getting to the root cause and releasing the fear of rejection will help you with those event abandonment issues, which then will and uh, domino into releasing sadness as well, or at least decrease the sadness um, in a in a um, exponential way. Exactly. Yeah. Super. I know it's kind of a roundabout way to think about it, but I, you know, this morning as I was getting ready for this session, yeah. I started because I remembered our conversation and how I said I wanted to focus on sadness. Yeah. But then I started thinking about all of the revelations I've come up with over this mm -hmm. past week, doing my own, you know, little journaling for my upcoming um, therapy appointment tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And uh, I realized, you know, I, I had that realization and, and that's what it is, honestly, like this is, it's not a therapy is not a linear process. You know, healing is not a linear process. A lot of the time it feels like you take, you know, five steps forward and then you take three steps back because mm -hmm. you come up with these revelations that just kind of weigh you down a little bit. Yeah. You regroup and then you dive back in. And so it's like, it's consistent. It's layers. It's like an onion. You're peeling back the layers. A hundred percent. And this is going to be a beautiful layer that we're going to peel back. So we're going to specifically focus on the fear of rejection here and focus on, it's kind of uh, similar to a limiting belief. Uh, fear can be very broad, but we're going to focus right. And we're going to very niche right down into the fear of rejection and, um, the most important thing that you need to do throughout this process is to focus on the learnings. So right now you're telling yourself something uh, as far as a limiting belief in your mindset. So when you're doing this process, it's the learning that you have about that scenario as you observe it. And you'll see what I'm talking about in a minute. But as you observe a, an event, what is the theme, the positive theme? What is the, the real lesson that you need to learn in order to release that emotion? And that's going to be the theme that goes throughout your life. It could be that I'm okay. It could be that I'm lovable. It could be that it's not my fault. It could be something, but you have to keep telling yourself this theme or multiple themes throughout your uh, timeline in order for you to truly make a difference in your mindset. Now, um, once you... Once you have that theme, then the triggers uh, that that used to come when you would uh, believe that, oh, I'm uh, or, or when you would feel that fear of rejection, they will decrease massively because that trigger won't be there anymore. Uh, um, I, I have a friend that I did, did this with who also had a fear of abandonment. Um, due to her, her daddy issues, it's, it's a common thing, our, <laughs> our daddy issues, you know, my daddy issues. So um, she uh, was attracting men that weren't appreciating her and that would ghost her. She used to have a certain type of feeling about this, but now it's easier for her in her dating life to be able to have higher standards and let go of men and stop talking uh, to men that uh, don't treat her the way that she wants to and that she ex expects to be treated. So, and, and she said that she's proud of herself because those triggers used to be there and she used to kind of pander towards uh, men or, or talk to them a certain way and react a certain way so she, they could, she could keep them around. But now she doesn't do that anymore. That, that trigger that used to be there, it might be an initial flinch of like, oh, and then it's like, oh, wait a second. That's nonsense. I don't have to I don't have to think that way anymore. And then, boom, she realized that it was an exact correlation of because of the work that we had done. You see, so it's the learning that you have, that that mantra, that affirmation that you have during this pr um, process that it's super important that I really want to emphasize for you. Cool. Yeah, that does. I, your friend, you just basically sounded like you were talking about me there for a second I definitely <laughs> relate to, to that friend of yours I've even noticed even in my work situations that sometimes if like there's a misunderstanding mm -hmm. and something was mis misunderstood from you know a client that I'm working with and you know I I have this in, initial like <gasps> Did I do something? Did I say something wrong? Mm -hmm. <laughs> did I did I accidentally say something we can't do and cause a problem? It's like mm -hmm. that that just instinctual panic that comes with a sense of you know feeling like I did something wrong or I caused a problem or somebody's mad at me mm -hmm. um, so yeah I definitely think that this is going to be helpful if I can finally release those triggers <laughs> <laughs> let's go into it um, so once again all you got to do is use your imagination uh, follow directions and trust the process um, where's your past behind you where's your future <laughs> 
right in front of me. Perfect. You Literally, can... I put it in my dream board right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> what is the root cause? Uh, so is it all right with your unconscious mind for you to release this um, fear of rejection today and for you to be aware of it consciously? Yes. Awesome. What is the root cause of this problem? The first event, which when disconnected, that will cause this problem to disappear. If you were to know, when was the first time that you felt the fear of rejection? How old were you? Probably one. One years old. You have a specific event in mind? Yeah, I, I, I really do think that it came from that abandonment wound when, you know, my dad didn't come home that time when I, you know, realized that they had fully separated and he wasn't coming back <laughs> kind of thing. So that's that root cause right there. All right. That, I think so. All right. Now you can go ahead and close your eyes and relax and let me know when you're ready for the process to drop your baggage. I'm ready. Awesome. Now just imagine floating outside of your body and float up above your body as if though you are a spirit or energy and just hover above yourself right here, right now, seeing yourself from a third person point of view. Let me know when you can see yourself. Okay. Awesome. Now, just imagine floating up above your timeline and float deeper and deeper and deeper into the past above that first event in which you felt that fear of rejection when you were just a little girl. Now stay, stay right there above that little girl. Be the observer of the event. Stay right there in that position, watching the whole thing as if though you were like watching a movie or a play. Now, just ask your unconscious mind what it needs to learn from the event. The learning of which will allow you to let go of the emotions easily and effortlessly. Your unconscious mind can preserve the learnings so that if you need them in the future, they'll be there. Just tell your unconscious mind to preserve the learnings. Very importantly, what is something positive and empowering you can tell that little girl with the consciousness that you have today that would allow the emotions to evaporate like water on the concrete on a hot summer day? And as you preserve these learnings, the emotions are starting to dissipate more and more until they're all gone. Just let me know when they're all gone. I think they're gone now. Awesome. Now with your eyes closed, remember I told you that the most important thing about this whole exercise is the learnings. So what learnings are important that you got from that root cause event? That I'll be okay. That, you know, people leaving is not a result of me. It's a result of them and their choices and their baggage. And that mm -hmm. I'm enough. I'm loved. And mm. I'm not a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Now, just imagine floating up above your timeline and float deeper and deeper and deeper into the past above the dinosaurs during the prehistoric age. Let me know when you're above the dinosaurs. Now, as you're above the dinosaurs, float deeper and deeper into space to where space and the atmosphere connects and imagine your timeline is the size of a fingernail. Let me know when you're there. Don't exactly know what the timeline looks like, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and just float right there in space, weightless. And as you float there, ask yourself now, where are the emotions? Tell me, are they there or have they disappeared now? I think they're gone. I don't feel the heaviness as much anymore. Awesome. Now, just imagine floating down inside the event, seeing through your own eyes as a little girl. And check on the emotions. Tell me, are they there or have they disappeared now? 
No. Awesome. Flow back above your timeline and then float into space to where space and the atmosphere connects. Let me know when you're there. Okay. Awesome. Listen closely, very, very closely. Float very, very high above your timeline, above each and every event in which you felt the fear of rejection from birth until now in chronological order. Don't skip one event that you have a charge on. Preserve the learnings and let go of that fear of rejection all the way back to now. Go. I think it's on. Awesome. Flow down into your body and open your eyes when you're ready. Welcome back. <laughs> ah! <laughs> How'd that feel? Good. Good. Yeah, it's, it's always weird when you go through those like guided meditation practices, mm -hmm. especially someone like me. I've always struggled with visualization, mm -hmm. but I found it's not always about having images in your head. It's about the intention yeah. behind the images. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're, if anybody out there is, is watching and you struggle with vis visualization, just pretend, mm -hmm. <laughs> just think about the, the mental constructs that are being given to you in your head. Um, and then, you know, let that kind of guide you forward. That's what I have to do. And so sometimes like when I was imagining my, you know, the, the child situation of, um, it was just kind of, a, I, I could see like an outline, but mm -hmm. I couldn't like see the specifics. But, mm -hmm. For me, it's about the intention and yeah. um, not so much about the actual image. But there's a lot of people out there that can't have those pictures in their head. So mm -hmm. I think uh, there's a, a lot of great research about visualization, um, especially when it comes to like Olympic athletes or athletes using visualization mm -hmm. before something or just manifestation in general. There's a lot of great research out there. All right. Do you smell bacon? No, am I supposed to? <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, that's an NLP uh, uh, technique as well, so I can help you break state. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you remember a time in the past in which you used to feel that old emotion? And go back and notice if you can feel it, or you may find that you cannot. Yeah, I, I definitely, like, I can still feel, like, very mild, like, just kind of something, but mm. I used to feel, like, full-on pang of yeah. like panic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah okay and um i want you to imagine going out into the future to an unspecified time in the future in which if it would have happened in the past you would have felt inappropriate you would have felt the fear of rejection but it's the future now so see if you can find that old emotion or you may find that you cannot Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's it's probably going to be similar to what your friend said. I don't think that you know that emotion will necessarily ever fully dissipate. I think mm. you'll always have that initial like, oh, um, but it's it's reduced, and you're able to actually shift that perspective and understand that it's it's okay. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, you'll be fine mm -hmm. if they do walk out, you know, and, and be able to appropriately communicate those needs and yeah. communicate how you feel without that fear of rejection. But yeah. the initial like gut punch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in sense, I, I don't know if that necessarily fully goes away, but it yeah. lessens. I agree. I don't think I would have the same reaction. I think I would be able to better handle it because before it was, it was very much like I went into kind of like that flight or fight mode mm -hmm. and it's, you just kind of get that panic, you, mm -hmm. the heaviness, the mm -hmm. throat closes off and your heart rate, you know, you start feeling all of those things. And instantly wow. for me, that pattern was to go into fixing mode. Like, okay, mm -hmm. what, I need to fix this immediately mm -hmm. and go into even it was it was to a point where it was even if there was like a miscommunication via text. Yeah, I would have that kind of behavior where the other, the other person might be like, 
that was a joke. Like, there's nothing. You're fine. We're not. <laughs> there's no issue. We don't have to resolve anything. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, I'm perceiving that they're pulling away, and I'm like, oh my god, I put it. I did something wrong. I've got to yeah. fix this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I definitely um like for all the all the people that are out there listening, um the mental and emotional release is a a process. It is a technique. It is not a silver bullet. Like it, it, this is a part of the work, but it expedites the work. So that's why I love mm -hmm. it so much because it expedites the work so much. So you don't have to do uh, years of counseling or years of personal development in order to change your thought patterns. Uh, you can do it within 15 minutes. You know what I mean? Uh, so um, I worked, for example, I worked on the fear of rejection for years and um it took me a long time to be at a, a, a very comfortable spot within myself to where I, I, I don't have it anymore. I mean, I do care about what people like. I, I care about not hurting people, but I don't necessarily care about like getting rejected. In fact, I know it's a big part of entrepreneurship. I really had to deal with it for entrepreneurship and getting the nose. It was just like, oh, no. So now I've gotten hundreds and hundreds of no's now. Um, so the fear of rejection definitely doesn't affect me as much as it used to. So with you just doing this for the first time, I understand that it's like not all the way there. And plus there's something more that you may need to learn about yourself that you might not just be ready for yet. You know what I mean? Consciously. But it's definitely un like, like you said earlier, peeled back a layer. Yeah. So um, go ahead and, and tell us uh, some of the layers that you peeled back as far as the learnings that you have about yourself and what you now know on a conscious and subconscious level as far as the learnings that you wrote down? Um, just that people that walk out of our lives, you know, people come and go and mm -hmm. we've got to learn the lesson that that is meant to teach us and allow mm -hmm. ourselves to, you know, forgive ourselves first and, first and foremost and, and forgive them. Or, or, and I don't even want to say necessarily forgive them, but just understand that, like you said, hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. So we're all dealing with our own, um, our own issues and, and, you know, parents that, um, they do the best that they can. And, and this was actually something I put in my father's day card because I, I've reached a level of understanding where it's like, as you go through this process of mm -hmm. self-reflection and mm -hmm. self-awareness, mm -hmm. it helps you to understand when you start realizing how you have been triggered mm -hmm. and how you're responding or reacting mm -hmm. to different things because of those patterns and, and your own issues, mm -hmm. it helps you to, to empathize more and be more compassionate toward other people because you start to recognize that they are doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And my parents had me when they were young. My mom was 21 mm -hmm. um, or 20, 21. Um, and my dad same like my dad was only a year older than my mom. So mm -hmm. they were they were very young. You know, I'm 28 and I'm just going through this now. <laughs> if I had have had a kid when I was 21, I oh, I don't want to even think about that. <laughs> oh my gosh, me and you both. I was such I was a kid myself. You know what I mean? Exactly. I was a, a children raising children right there. You know what I mean? Exactly. And all the power to the, like, I, you know, no, no, no shame on anybody that does that or disrespect. It's just that I recognize that it would have been really challenging to avoid facilitating more of that trauma. Mm -hmm. Now that I understand how much my trauma was actually affecting my behavior. And I don't know that I would have been able to effectively parent in a healthy way. Yeah. So it just kind of helped me to frame things a little bit differently and understand that, you know, my parents, they do love me. Mm -hmm. They were doing the best that they could mm -hmm. with their conscious awareness. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of, you know, they had their own issues that they were trying to sort through. Yeah. So I was enough. I was loved. Yeah. I simply, you know, had people around me that were caring for me that were disconnected from their own emotional state mm -hmm. and their own emotional needs mm -hmm. and, and those kinds of things. So ultimately um, people leaving are not a reflection of me. It's a reflection of them um, and, you know, their own insecurities, their own fears, their own, their own problems, yeah. traumas, issues. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's basically it in a nutshell, just understanding that, you know, it's not me, it's 
you know, it, it is what it is in the sense, mm-hmm. like it's, you know, it's often the other person. And, and sometimes people, I think, um, especially I've noticed this a lot lately, you know, as my friends list consistently decline <laughs> as you go through this process and you start to shine light on some of your own um, stuff and, and just open up and be mm-hmm. more expressive. Mm-hmm. It pushes a lot of people away because it's like it shines a light on areas of themselves that they're not prepared to deal with. And yeah. it's like a mirror of their own fears and insecurities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that because, you know, I was actually just writing a message to an old friend earlier today um, who I actually, I had pushed away and we haven't had contact in several years. And it's like, I realized she was going through that process and healing and doing all of this work on herself. And I perceived her as a negative, toxic person. Wow. I was, I was stuck in that pattern of toxic yeah. positivity. I was sharing all of this inspirational, motivational stuff and super positive. And in reality, I was just shoving down all of my own crap yeah. and I wasn't facing everything. I wasn't dealing with everything. So her dealing with her stuff was a reflection of everything I was trying to avoid. Mm. And so I painted this picture of her as a toxic person and pushed her out of my life. Yeah. So I, I get it, you know, cause I've, I've been there and that's why I think, you know, once I get through, I, I said this earlier, physician heal thyself. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, I'm studying under Joseph McClendon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, that's one of the things that he shares a lot. I know Tony said it too, Tony Robbins, I've studied under him. Um, and so everything that I'm doing, you know, over the next several years, um, the things that I've signed up for in terms of personal development, the mm. certification I'm working on. When I get into this, you know, and, and, and become a transformational coach, yeah. it's going to be from a, a place of, you know, no judgment because I've been there. I've yeah. been through it all and I mm-hmm. get it. And so I want to work with the people that are in the places that I have been so that I can mm-hmm. help them get over that hump. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, you, you, it seems as though uh, it's, it's not even seeming. I love this technique so much because it helps you see your parents and all the people that that have been in your life that may have um, have helped cause you some type of trauma or negative emotion or limiting belief. It, It takes those people and you observe them as a spirit or as a human from a very human point of view. And it is where where you don't take it personally what they've done, but you see that what they they've done or what they're they are even doing currently that they're doing it because of what they're going through. So we hurt people, hurt people, and we're all doing the best that we can with the resources and consciousness that we have and that their baggage has not, or I'm sorry, their actions have nothing to do with you. It's only a reflection of their baggage. That's you disassociating what they're, they've, they've done in the past away from you and not take it personally anymore and look at it as, Oh, um, their issues were um, a reflection of what they were doing and not a reflection of who I am as a person or who I was as a kid. Therefore, I can see this from a totally different point of view and have empathy. It seems as though you have even empathy for them. It's like, and compassion for them to where you're looking at your, your uh, them from your sh- own shoes or you're putting your shoes on, or, you know what I mean? You're looking, <laughs> you're putting their shoes on in some way, shape, or form, or whatever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> picking up what I'm putting down. Um, yeah. So the um, it's 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 very cool that that this process does that in such a, a fantastic way, and in a subconscious way too, because we know all these things consciously, but subconsciously, once that like seeps in, the release just happens, right? You felt the release, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it, it really like something that like Tony and, and Joseph talk about a lot is, um, and, and Teal Swan from a spiritual side of things also addresses this, mm-hmm. but it's about how um, humans have a really long period of time where we're completely and entirely reliant on other human beings to yeah. survive. Yeah. You know, for the first several years of our life, we literally cannot survive without the care of another human mm-hmm. um and so we tend to when you talk about humanizing mm-hmm. the parents and that is a big part of healing mm-hmm. is really getting to you know to that place where you're not placing your parents on a pedestal anymore mm-hmm. because you know for a long time 
I, I had, you know, my dad on a pedestal because he came back into my life and, you know, things were really good. We had a really great relationship. Um, and then, you know, once I got older and I started recognizing some of the ways that were, you know, not so, you know, pedestally, <laughs> for lack of a better word, um, it kind of, you know, put a little bit of a strain on that relationship. We've gotten over the past several years, we've gotten to a much better place. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, more recently, what kind of took shape is, you know, as I've been going through, you know, the, the past nine months with my um, efforts in, in my my own therapy and, and everything that I've been coming to terms with, it's kind of I, I knocked down that pedestal that I had placed from my mother. And so it's it's really understanding from a holistic perspective that mm. your parents are human beings and they, you know, they were hurt individuals themselves. Mm. And it, it really does. It, it humanizes them and it humanizes all of the other people who have caused pain and suffering. And it's not to say that, you know, you necessarily forgive everybody that ever, you know, ever hurt you or that it makes the behaviors okay. Yeah. Um, it's more uh, reaching a state of acceptance and, you know, awareness that it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what I said earlier, you are not your trauma. Yeah. You know, understanding that what happened to you happened to you. It doesn't make you who you are. Yeah. You make you who you are. Amen. I love it. Oh my gosh. All right. Let's go ahead and wrap this up in an amazing bow. What words of wisdom can you give the uh, crowd out there that would you like to leave with the Drop Your Baggage podcast? Is to, you know, focus on yourself. Um, focusing on yourself is not being selfish. It is self-care. You know, we yeah. need to do this for ourselves. And you, you hear tell, you know, people say it all the time. Uh, when you're, you're getting on a plane, they tell you to put your own mask first. <laughs> you know, not... To, to kind of throw out the same thing everybody else does, but it's true. You've mm -hmm. got to put your own mask on first before you can help other people. You're not going to help anybody if you're unconscious. Mm -hmm. And so the same is true when, you know, when you reach a level of just exhaustion, pure exhaustion and burnout, you can't help anybody because you're not effective yeah. at life. <laughs> um, I've been there. I, you mm -hmm. know, I've been in that state of burnout where I just physically felt like I couldn't do anything. I couldn't handle anything more than what was currently on my plate. Mm -hmm. And even what was on my plate was too much. Um, so I, I completely get that. And so, you know, especially when you're feeling that type of way, you need to do the work on yourself. And mm -hmm. a lot of the time when, you know, when we're dealing with those kinds of situations, because we're ignoring ourselves yep. and we're ignoring our own needs. Yeah. So if you start to pay more attention to your own needs and, you know, actively communicate that with the people around you, like that is what is going to make the change, you know, actively pursuing the things that are going to make you fulfilled, make you happy. And, you know, personal development is a huge passion of mine. You know, I love reading books. I followed um, Tony Robbins, signed up for Master University. I'm super excited for Date with Destiny in December. Hey. Um, <laughs> so all of these things, you know, I'm, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to get training. You know, there's tons of things. I've done a couple of free programs this year. You know, Dean Graziosi and Tony put on a couple of challenges. Mm -hmm. They did Own Your Future. They did um, Power to Pivot. So there's lots of tools out there. There's lots of resources out there that are free. Teal mm -hmm. Swan, I follow her. She's sent tons of videos on YouTube. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of help out there. You just have to be willing to put in the time and the effort to seek them out and um, use them. Amen. Develop. Amen. I love it. Well, Jessica, once again, thank you so much for being on the Drop Your Baggage podcast. And thank you all out there for watching or listening to the Drop Your Baggage podcast. I truly, truly appreciate every single view. Uh, if you guys would like to know more or, or learn more about the uh, mental and emotional release process, you can go to eliminatinginsecuritiesnow.com. Once again, eliminatinginsecuritiesnow.com. And with that, you guys take care of yourself and take care of one another. Peace.